And we back in this thing like we left some. Welcome back, y'all, to this week's episode of I Got a Story to Tell. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me again for another week and another story. Thank you for supporting and everybody who's been reaching out, giving me feedback. Um, let me know how they feel about the stories. Um, shit was crazy is we've got some listeners from a few other countries that I didn't expect. Um, so I just want to say thank you to my worldwide listeners, um, as well as my family here in the States. Um, I really don't have much to talk about, so let's get to this story. I got a story to tell. Let's go. takes place in early 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 1988 I'm nine years old I'll be turning 10 that summer um, August to be exact but hold on let me let me let me stop right here so I was gonna actually share a different story today but this story that I decided to tell today came about because of a text conversation that me my brother and my nephew were having on our te- on our little uh, chat that we had I text my brother the other day I said Kev do you remember I got bit by that rat and he said I vaguely remember he paused then he sent another message one line we grew up hectic and didn't even know and it started got me really thinking how many traumatic experiences we've had like not just us but people in general um growing up that we didn't even know were something crazy or wild we just thought it was regular life and a lot of times you don't know until you're outside of that or you get older and you start looking back on shit and be like damn that was some wild shit right so real quick the story Um, When I was born and came home from Christ Hospital, first place I went, what I call home, was um, the Fay Apartments. We lived on a street called Nottingham. Real quick, shout out to the city of Cincinnati for changing the street name on Nottingham to um, Michael Stafford Lane, I believe, or Way. Um, God rest his soul, Michael Stafford, popular boxing uh, trainer, trained uh, Adrian Broner, Rashi Warren. Um, highly respected, highly respected. God rest his soul. So 
that was pretty dope to see that. Um, but I came home to Nottingham's where I lived. And behind our apartment on Nottingham, less than 30 feet from our back door, was a huge dumpster and a sewer. So rats used to get into our crib. Like one time a mother opened up the stove, rat jump out the stove type shit, right? So one night I'm asleep, I'm about three or four, laying in the bed asleep. I feel a pinch on my hand and the side of my belly. And I wake up in pain, scared, all that shit, like flail my arms and scream and crying and shit. And the rat was in the bed and the rat had bit me on the side of my belly and my hand. It jumped out the bed, scurried off. My mother coming there to see what's wrong with me and all that shit. She ended up like reporting the shit because she had been talking to the people at the rental office like, hey, y'all need to do something about this shit. I'm getting rats in my spot. And so she reported to like the, the board of health or whatever, or department of health. They came out, talked to me, talked to my mom, all that shit, right? So, but being a kid and being in that environment, that was shit. I didn't think it was a big deal. And so, now, back to the story. 1988, I'm nine years old. I'll be turning 10 in August. And around this time, I start becoming a lot more observant of shit, right? I become, I start focusing in on shit. And shit start making sense to me. And so, my favorite day of the week was Thursday. Still to this day, my favorite day of the week is Thursday. I love Thursdays. Um, and I don't know if that's because I, I know, like my favorite holiday, you know, growing up as a kid, wasn't, wasn't even a holiday day. It was Christmas Eve. I don't know if it was just the excitement about what the next day was like Thursday being I was excited Friday was coming. But the reason I love Thursday so much as a kid, we had this thing in my house. My mom would order La Rosa's pizza and we would watch the Cosby show and a different world. That was our thing on Thursday. Um, and so around this time, I really, like I said, start observing things. And so I remember sitting there on a Thursday. My mom ordered pizza from the Roses. They they delivered. We sitting there eating pizza, watching the Cosby show. And I remember looking at the, the, the set of the Cosby show and seeing black people live like this. And I'm like, damn, we don't live like this. But then I was like, damn, I would like to. I would like to live like that. And then I start pawning it off in my head as, oh, that's just Hollywood. That ain't real, right? Even with a different world, seeing these black folks at college, I'm like, eh, I would like to one day, you know, go to college. Inshallah, I'd love to go to college one day, but eh, that's some Hollywood shit. But those thoughts were in my head. And I remember... Being in fourth grade that year and like later on that spring getting a, uh, what do you call it? A invitation to one of my classmates birthday parties, right? So I'm in, I'm in fourth grade. I go to Mount Airy Elementary. One of my classmates, classmates name was Nicholas LaRosa. Like I told y'all, LaRosa's Pizza, um, He's so 
for my non-Cincinnati people, the Roses is a staple in Cincinnati. That's, I mean, when I say we love the Roses, like you can have all the Pizza Huts and Dominoes and Little Seas and all that shit you want to. But Cincinnati people love the Roses. We know what Buddy LaRosa, who's the founder, means to that city. How he got behind and supported high school athletes and boxers in the area and all that shit. And the work he's done in the community, right? So, I'm going to school with his grandson, Nicholas. So, Nicholas, he comes to school and he hands out his invitations to his birthday party. He hands me one. So, I go home and I'm excited. And I ask my mother, I say, Ma. She said, yeah. I said, Nick having a party, a uh, birthday party, can I go? She's like, of course you can go. I'm like, how am I going to get there? Because, again, we ain't had no car. So, she said, I'll figure it out. I say, okay. Cool. Go to school, I tell Nick. I say, my mom said I can go, I'll be there. He excited. Cool. Finally, the day comes. And my mom's friend, Jan, picks me up. She had a maroon and other big ass maroon Chevy Nova, right? And she picks me up. She drives me to this beautiful home, right? I mean, this shit beautiful. And I get out and I go in. I walk in this house. I've never seen a house with this much space. Like niggas ain't on top of each other. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got room. It's decorated beautifully. It smells beautiful. The light, the sunlight, the natural light, all that shit. I'm like, holy shit. This shit is fire. And I'm just walking in and y'all know the scene from the original Annie when she go to uh to Mr. Warbucks crib, right? When she walk in, first person she see when she get out the car is Punjab. And she go in the car, in the house and it's this huge house and the people that work there, they dance, all this shit, right? That's how I'm feeling like Annie and this bitch, right? I'm looking around like, holy shit, this is nice. So family nice, uh, his mother and father, they nice as can be. Everybody just good people, right? Everybody cool. I don't feel out of place like based off of like people treat me out of I feel out of place because I've never seen no shit like this. I've never been in a home like this. I know where I live don't look like this. And it's hitting me at this point. Like, damn, it's some people that live totally different from you, Mike. So I'm looking like, holy shit. Party goes off without a hitch. It's beautiful. It's nice. This is the first birthday birthday party I'd ever gone to where motherfuckers sent you home with some shit. Like, I had a... a, a you know what they call goodie bag? I had a bag with little toys, a Lego set, and all type of shit. I'm like, holy shit, it ain't my birthday, but shit, I done came up. So, my mom's friend Jan picks me up. I get in the car. She says, Mikey, how how was the, the party? I said, it was great. She's like, good. And so, she's driving me home. And I remember we were on Westwood Northern Boulevard. And we driving and I'm just looking out the window and all I could think of is this house. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. But then I find myself as we coming into the fade where I stay, I get sad. And I'm like, damn. I'm looking around and shit, you know, trash and shit on the ground, niggas outside on, on the block hustling. Cause shit, it's, it's 88, it's 1988. 
it's fucking 88 so the crack epidemic is crazy at this point right so i'm looking like oh shit i go in the crib my mother asked me how I was i said my it was amazing she's like good i'm glad you had fun and i just go upstairs to my room and i'm sitting in my room and i'm just sad and i'm like And so I got a, a, a well, people call them boom boxes and shit, right? So I got a boom box, so to speak, the Christmas, um, the Christmas before. And I would listen to four radio stations. The two black ones we had in Cincinnati, WBLZ and WIZF. And I would listen to Q102 and Warm 98. Warm 98 played like, 80 soft rock and shit, right? That was my favorite station. Oh, that was my favorite. I mean, they're going to play your Phil Collins, Journey, you know, shit like that. And so I would play Warm 98. I still remember they shit. Warm 98, a better mix of light rock, less repetition, right? So I would put my boom box like right on my desk and I would just look out my bedroom window outside, right? And, you know, 80 soft rock playing shit you will see in a movie or hear in a movie I should say and I just be looking out my window and like I start zoning out thinking I live somewhere else even though I'm looking at my environment and so around that time I became like aware that hey I live somewhere some place that's a little different and I start carrying that with me carrying that with me And some, some weeks later, I'm outside. And me and my boy Duck, God rest his soul, we outside. We just walking around, about to go down to Opie's and buy, like, some chips and a pop. And we see some niggas outside, you know, doing their thing, hustling. I don't need to say nobody's name, you know, none of that shit. But they outside hustling. And niggas got on, you know, jewelry and shit. Um, and I remember just looking like, Damn, these niggas getting to the bread, right? Like getting to the money. But still, something in me was like, but they still live here. Like they getting to the money, but niggas here. Like don't niggas want to get out of here? Like don't don't you want to change your environment? That's all I'm thinking. Because I'm thinking like, shit, I don't want to live in this motherfucker. That's why it has always irked me when people who ain't from the hood want to be from the hood and I'll be like nigga that shit was not like y'all glorify that shit the motherfuckers living in that shit we was like oh my god that shit can be stressful man that shit can be stressful as fuck you never know what's gonna happen you don't know what people are going through you don't know what beefs and shit is going on what you can get caught up in like all that shit like real quick, I remember one time, and my brother, anybody know my brother can can call him, text him, and ask him about this. Me and my brother on a Sunday morning one time was going to church, and we had got dressed, and my mother like was like, "Can we go outside?" And she's like, "Yeah, just don't get dirty." And we went outside on a Sunday morning. It's it's no more than nine o'clock, eight or nine o'clock. We outside and we walking, and we walking right up by this dude named Kevin Jones crib, and me and him are walking right there. And this man runs around the corner with a stick in his hand. And I mean, he's in a full sprint nigga out in a sweatsuit. 
We haven't been living. We were living on President Drive at this time. We hadn't been living on President that long. The nigga run around the corner. Nigga had a thick ass mustache. Light skinned nigga. Older nigga though. And was like, I beat people with sticks. And me and my brother froze. Like we froze. And the nigga had a, like a stick in his hand. And we just froze like, oh shit. And then he took off running. And I'll never forget how scared I was. I was like, oh shit. But again, yeah, we were scared. It was a scary situation. But we think, oh, this is some normal shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just like, oh, some normal shit. And so that's that's what life was like. So I'm paying attention to, like, everything at this point. All this shit that's going on. The violence. Um, like, all these situations would just start becoming normal to us. And so I start internalizing a lot of shit. I start internalizing so much and I start being like, damn, is, is this all there is, right? Is this all I'll ever be able to see? So like, there's this thing I remember, like y'all know, some of y'all know I love uh, rapper Ransom. He had a line and I'm paraphrasing where he says, um, it's cool to be poor until it's time to eat. And it was like, everybody, we've always worn the hood or what hood we from as like a badge of honor. Like it was cool to be from the hood until you go in that motherfucking house and ain't nothing to eat in that refrigerator and you hungry and shit. Right? So I had got to the point, like I said, where I was just, I was internalizing so much and I was thinking so much. I started thinking so much about shit. Started getting a little quiet, you know, because I was such a thinker. And so the day that I knew, like I knew in my soul, I did not want to be stuck there for the rest of my life. That I wanted to see different shit. I wanted to live and experience different shit outside of where I was from and where I was living. It was a Sunday. Get up. We're going to church. My brother spent the night at one of his friends' house. My sister wasn't going to church. And I went to church. And my mom and I caught the bus. We got on the 49 bus to go to our church. New Prospect Baptist Church. That morning, we walk across the street. I got on my little church clothes. Walk across the street. Wait on the bus. Get on the 49. Get off and walk to the church. We get to the church. And my grandfather had a store down the street. Um, as some of y'all know. And... Um, if you haven't, go back and listen to the episode entitled uh, Some Heroes Wear Capes, Some Wear Nugget Jewelry or Nugget Rings. And um, I talk about my grandfather's store there. And so we get to church. I tell my mom, I say, hey, mom, I walk down uh, to grandpa's store. And she was like, OK, cool. So I go. Uh, he and I are chatting for a little bit. I get like some candy and some pop and a pop and go to church. And we were off that Monday. We had a three-day weekend, so no school that Monday. And so church goes off without a hitch, normal church service. And my angel and my Uncle Paris were going to drop us off at home after church like normal. And I remember right after church, my angel comes over to my mother. God rest both of their souls. Come over to my mother. She said, Barbara Ann, 
my mom said, yeah. She say, instead of going straight home, y'all want to just come to the house um, and eat Sunday dinner. So my mom was like, yeah, we'll do that. So I'm like, okay, cool. We get in the car and I'm excited because, you know, again, I'm feeling these things of where I live, how I'm living. Um, anytime I can leave from out the faith at this point, I was with it. Like I, I, I was just, I was with it. So to be going over my aunt's house, cool. Now my aunt lived in Corain Township in this area that a lot of people affectionately call the heritage. Um, she lived on a street called Crestland Court. And so we go, we get to my, my aunt's crib. Um, they have a split level and finished basement, fireplace, all that shit, right? So we get over there. My uncle and I are in the basement and he turned on the basketball game. Never forget it. The Sixers was playing the Hawks. And so we sitting in the basement and they have a fireplace in the basement and he starts a fire in the basement, like in the fireplace. That fire crackling, um, it's cold. They got big, comfortable furniture down there. This big recliner, and they had a day bed like over that people use. You kind of use like a couch over to the side, but they had a big, comfy couch down there too. So we in the basement. He watching the game. My mom and my aunt are upstairs cooking, and I remember sitting there listening to the fire crack, um, watching the game. He asked me, he said, Mike, you want to pop? I said, yes, sir. He's like, well, go on in there. Now, they had like a another room in the basement, like a laundry room, but it had a refrigerator down there that they had like all the pop. He kept all his beer. And like, bring me, bring me a beer. I said, okay. He was drinking a Little King's. If you're from the Natty, you know Little King's beer coming to Green Bottle. So he got him that. So I got him one, brought it out there. And I had a Sprite and I'm sitting there and just watching the game. And also down there, he had this wooden box. They had the big Procter and Gamble logo on it. Um, Cause that's where he worked. And it was like the cedar box. And inside the box, he had like different little blankets and stuff like that in case you want to cover up. So I got a blanket, throw it across me. I'm sitting in this recliner and we watching the game food gets done we eat and me and him back downstairs in the, in the uh, basement watching tv and i remember looking over to my left and there was a window on that wall and the snow flurries are falling outside and i remember just looking and how at peace i was and i remember thinking that's what i want my view to be not when I'm listening to Warm 98 looking out of a window and niggas outside wilding, right? And seeing, you know, grass all fucked up, broken down cars, niggas wilding, all that. Like, I didn't want to see that no more. And I remember that day sitting there in that chair. I had stopped paying attention to the game at this point. And I remember just looking out that window thinking how peaceful it was. It was one of the few times my mind was totally at peace and at rest. And I was always like, I want this feeling. I always wanted to chase peace and rest in my mind. And so we, we, we was there for a little bit longer. And then it was time to go home. 
I remember that drive home. And I was just like, fuck. I hate this shit. That whole ride home, I was like, I don't want to go back here. And I remember being nine years old and that being one of the first times in my life feeling what we what we now label as depressed. I was like, fuck. Get to the crib, go in the house. My whole demeanor has changed. And I remember my mom asking me like, what's wrong with you? I was like, oh, nothing, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. She said, you sure? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm, I'm good. And I was about to walk up the steps and she said, Mikey, look at me. I said, yes, ma'am. And I looked at her. She said, I know you. What's wrong with you? I said, nothing. I knew as a nine-year-old, I couldn't tell her what I was actually thinking and what was on my mind because I knew that would fuck her up mentally. I couldn't be like, Ma, I don't want to live here. I hate what I see every day when I go outside. Like, I couldn't say that because what is she going to feel? She doing the best she can. So I can't say that. So I say nothing. She's like, okay. I went upstairs, went to my room, sitting on my bed, and I'm just like, damn. My mother came upstairs, um, you know, went to her room, did whatever she was doing. I remember sitting up pretty much that whole night as a nine-year-old. Just thinking like, damn, what can I do? Like, what could I really do? Because I don't want to live like this. I finally went to sleep, woke up the next day, went outside. Um, talked to my friends for a little bit. Came in the house. My mom talked to me for a little bit. She said, um, Mikey, what was, what was bothering you last night? I'm like, nothing, mom. I was like, I'm, I'm good. I was like, what made you think? She was like, Mikey, I know you. I said, nah, I'm, I'm fantastic. Like, okay. She knew deep down inside what it was. She knew. And the reason I know she knew is because a few few years after that, we was at my angel's house and having a good time. And it was time to leave. We got in the car. And I mean, at this point, that happened when I was nine. At this point, um, I'm 12. I'm 12 years old. Seventh grade, early, early start of school year. And we're leaving. As soon as we get on the street called Springdale, my mother turned around. My aunt was driving my mother turned around and looked at me and I'm just looking out the window and she turned back around and right when we got home and walked in the house she said to me you hate leaving from over there don't you 
And I looked and I was shocked and I was surprised that she said that. And so badly, I wanted to be like, yes, I hate it. I hate leaving. I hate coming back. But I didn't say that. I was like, no, nah, it's, it's cool. She said, yeah, all right. I'm like, no, nah, it's, it's fine. I was like, I, ain't, I, ain't, I don't even be thinking about that. She's like, Mikey, I know you. She's like, you can tell me. She's like, you hate leaving from over there and coming back here. Don't I said, Ma, nah. Because again, I knew. I just didn't have the courage to say it. So, Ma, even though I never said that shit, I fucking hated leaving over there and coming back home. I'm out. Thank you.